Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Hey everyone, welcome to the Tennis.com podcast. We have a special episode today. I'm Nina Pantic, your co-host, joined in this episode by Irina Falcone. Hey guys, how's it going? And our guest is Christy Ahn. Christy, thank you for joining us. No, thanks so much for having me, you guys. We saw you on Tennis Channel Live and the studio set, so we thought, you know what, you know, if you can go on Tennis Channel, you can go on our podcast too, so it makes sense. Yeah, super excited. What was that experience like on Tennis Channel? Was it like an actual Skype chat where you videoed in? Was it live? Yeah, uh, I guess it was live, but I couldn't see them. So they could see me. Um, So it was kind of weird. I felt like I was just on a phone call, but everyone's watching me. Um, And then I tried to look semi-professional. So I put on, you know, like a normal shirt, but I was wearing sweats and like fuzzy socks because you couldn't see it. You got to do what you got to do to survive. So speaking of, Christy, we are in the midst of what is honestly a mind-blowing period of our lives. The coronavirus has stopped everything from my beloved bars to tennis (laughs) to life, health. Everything is kind of in flux and everyone is sitting at home doing literally nothing but waiting and reading the news and freaking out. How has your quarantine been going? Yeah, it's kind of weird. I was just thinking about it this morning because we're, you know, Since Indian Wells, it's been about two weeks and it's only been about two weeks and we, we won't, our schedule is June at least. And we're only in the end of March. So I was just thinking, wow, that's a, you know, and I, well, it's raining out right now, but I don't feel comfortable right now going out to parks, like to play tennis, to practice even. Um, So I'm just trying to shadow swing in my basement and not completely lose my feel um, but other than that, I, I love staying indoors. I love just, um, I, I have, this is home home for me. So I, I can kind of keep myself pretty occupied. Um, I got a lot of instruments, so I'll play those for a couple hours. And then as you guys know, I make TikToks for the rest of my life. Um, and then, uh, I have a little bit of a home gym set up as well. So I'm able to sort of, uh, keep at least a little bit of rhythm. Yeah, it's funny that you were mentioning first off about the the tennis courts thing, because today was actually a day that I was actually going to go and see if I remember how to play, you know, just in case I forgot it. Because um, Andy Gross, whom you know, he was like, you know, just go out and just, you know, hit a little bit. And I was like, all right, you know, what's an hour going to do for my life? And sure enough, I show up to these courts at a club, mind you, like it's a gated community and um, as I'm getting out of my car, the guy goes, hey, you're not going inside the tennis courts, are you? And I was like, yeah. And he goes, he's like, I'm actually locking them up right now. And I was like, holy cow. So it's it's unbelievable, like the amount of things that are affected. Um, but then on the other hand, I'm like, okay, is my life really going to change if I don't hit for, you know, one month, because guess what? We still have another two months before we can actually hit, you know, a, you know, ball at actual tennis tournament. So yeah, it's been, uh, it's been interesting to say the least. Yeah. It'd be great if there was, uh, 
kind of like walls, not that I can necessarily hit on, uh, on the wall up of my house, but you know, if there is, if I could, that would, I feel like make it a lot easier, but that's not, um, exactly feasible for me right now. So, uh, I know in the next town over for me, there's a wall, um, a hitting wall, but again, at like they're locking down parks. It's funny that you mentioned about the wall thing, because, um, we have a three car garage behind our house and like, we have maybe about 45 feet between the house and the garage. And I was like, well, I can use it as a wall for like some volley volleys, maybe like I saw Bjorn Changelo, like he actually was volleying like against the wall the other day and there was some grass underneath. So that's all you could do. Um, but yeah, it's been amazing to see the amount of home gyms and like home workouts that have been like just summoned because of this whole thing. But yeah, there's still a lot of hours in the day. So tell us more about your TikToks, girl, because you are literally just taking over. Like the one that I saw yesterday with the Mean Girls like dub, like lip syncing. Oh my gosh, I died. Where are you getting your inspiration from? And like, it's it's just been awesome to watch. Thanks. Uh, no, I've been on TikTok for about a year now. And I just, uh, I was... At first, I was just a lurker, just watching videos, um, and then I started making them around June, and they were they were terrible. Um, so I was on private with a couple of my friends, um, and then uh, so I had they were like slowly improving, the lip syncing started getting better, and my like actual content started getting um, funnier. And then this quarantine happened, and I was like. I just thought of some stuff that was kind of relevant. The French open one, um, was, uh, pretty, that one kind of blew up. And, uh, I just, I don't know. I feel like people were like looking for something to keep them entertained during this time. Um, keep their mind off of the fact that we're all stuck at home. So I've just been trying to help people, uh, help keep people entertained, even if it's for a couple seconds, couple minutes of the day. Okay, I've got a question about TikTok because I just started an account two days ago and I'm lurking. I don't think I can, I'm ever going to be able to make a video because it's just, it doesn't seem like something I could possibly do. But is it a lot of repeating? So like if you see somebody else do something, you're like, okay, wait, I want to try and steal their idea. Or was the RG thing your own creation? I want to think it's your own creation. Well, so um, the TikTok, basically, there's different ways to go about it. There's, you know, the dancers, there's the artists, um, there's people who just are really good at lip syncing. Um, so they'll, and you don't even know that they're using someone else's audio. Um, but for me, I use it. Um, there's sort of a segment where people use someone else's audio, but you come up with your own scenarios. So like the French open one where it's like, Hey, Hey, and I was just thinking like, that's probably the grand slam meeting. And and I thought the same thing. I thought there's no, what like, these are so funny. How could I possibly think of that? Um, but I just felt like the more I watched and I've lost hours of sleep, hours of like, I was in Japan last year. And when I started scrolling, the sun was well up in the sky. And I, when I finally stopped, uh, but <laughs> they also have a, if you scroll enough, they have um, TikTok actually has people like videos show up that's like it's okay like please take a break you've been scrolling a lot like these videos will be there tomorrow go to sleep and I had that happen to me last night and I was like that's a good idea I should probably stop scrolling now 
Oh my god, that's amazing. <laughs> okay, but the beauty the beauty of the situation right now is I don't have any or no one will have as much guilt doing stuff like that. That's why TikTok is probably blowing up. Every player is getting accounts because it's like you don't feel that guilt of I should probably could do something with my life. It's like, no, 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 I should just continue. I started playing I started playing video games. I don't even play video games. I've never played video games. But I wanted to ask you another follow-up for your videos. You have the one where you're cleaning the floor and working out at the same time. That is genius <laughs> because I do feel this sudden, and Irina can relate, the sudden urge to just like clean my house, but also to work out. So you kind of combined it. Yeah, definitely. Um, obviously not everybody has a home gym set up. And I was just thinking like, what are the two things people want to do most right now? And it's clean and exercise. So I was just thinking, um, I saw Allie Risk do her uh, little workout with the detergent. And I was like, I think I can take that a step further. And of course, I have all the time in the world. So it was originally just going to be a quick couple of second video. And then I just had all this time and thought of more exercises, decided to do a voiceover and put it over never going to give you up. I spent that that took up a good chunk of the day, but I got to say that was I think that was my first content that I put out for the quarantine and I'm pretty proud of it. That's amazing. Um well, don't stop, can't well, can't stop, won't stop. Please do not stop posting because we're enjoying them. I know for myself, there Nina, you're 100% right on the no shame thing. I mean, Travis and I were just taking it to like the complete embarrassment level of like a thousand. And I'm just like, hey, I'm not going to see anyone till June. Hopefully they'll forget about it by then. But let's talk about, you know, the fact that you are a tennis player um, other than a TikTok star. And the last time I saw you was actually at the Indian Wells uh, Challenger. I just, I this is my first question to you. Obviously you're part of the WTA council. What was your reaction? Like when you saw the, the message like come out like hey uh-huh. Indian Wells is canceled no big deal I I just want to know what were you doing like but you probably already had an idea right uh, so the day before so Quali started Monday or was supposed to start Monday and um, as of Saturday night so two days before they said we are prepared to we are one hundred percent prepared to play um, if we have to we will play behind closed doors but. They were, you know, ready for the fans and everything. Um, the whole thing, they did glove protection with ball kids. Ki- ball kids wouldn't be touching the towels, um, you know, keeping autographing sessions to minimum, the whole shebang. And then Sunday morning, I guess there was uh, some, a positive confirmed case um, kind of right down the road. Uh but I didn't hear anything. I was literally in the training room. It was probably around two, three o'clock or maybe four. Uh, and I got an email urgent meeting uh, at, you know, five o'clock on site for the player council. And my initial thought was, what could possibly be so urgent that it has to happen right, you know, today that it can't wait until tomorrow? And it, it occurred to me that I the only feasible explanation would be that Indian Wells is canceling. Um, so went into that meeting, we sat down with Tommy Haas and, um, Raymond Moore and they, they explained the situation. There was that one positive case. There were five pending cases in the area. Obviously Indian Wells is, uh, and the, the area surrounding areas full of retired, you know, retired people at the age, the demographics much older, 
Um, and this positive case also before she was showing symptoms, she was interacting with her club, like she was living life totally normal. Um, she flew in from DC. So she interacted with a lot of people. So even though there was only one confirmed case, the the next couple of days, it totally, you know, who knows what could have happened or what actually did happen. Um, so it was just really bad timing that this happened the day before. But at the same time, it's also really good that it happened before the event started. Um, and Raymond Moore was very emotional when he when he told us this. Um, he was, you know, this was his baby. This that he was. They're so proud of this event. Obviously, players love it. Everybody loves it. Um, so it was really heartbreaking to see him um, tell us the news. And I guess they they took playing behind closed doors off the table. Um, and and I guess you know you have to respect their decision. That's millions of dollars that um, they wouldn't be getting that they couldn't even make. Um, and it, they, they, uh, BMP Paribas, they have, they want to keep their standard, their product at a certain caliber. So while it's very, it was very frustrating for players to have to pivot their plans the day before, um, obviously now in retrospect, can you imagine if we kept going like the next, I think two day, one or two days later, that's when Trump announced that, um, the flight's from uh europe would be canceled so all our european players like they have to go back home so it would have just been absolute chaos which it was already chaos so imagine that magnitude um even more so it is insane yeah, it very good very good decision go it, ahead it, yeah when hindsight that's only a couple of weeks ago and now it's like you cannot imagine if that tournament had actually gone on it would have been beyond 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 chaos and it would have been a massive health concern, but at the time it didn't feel. It felt, almost felt like it was a little bit dramatic. But you're in the WTA oh, council, sure. yeah. You're yeah, the, you're in the yeah. council. So when the decisions came about, okay, we're going to cancel tournaments till May second, and now June eighth. Were you part of that decision? Were you the first to find out about stuff like that, or are you finding out the same way as everyone else is finding out? Uh, so we are privy to finding things out before they get announced to the players, um, but we are not necessarily involved with the decisions to cancel um so for example uh, so charleston was a little bit tricky because the men announced that they were canceling for the next six weeks um steve said we need to speak with our tournaments first and we want to give them you know the respect and communication first before and now obviously you know the way that things were Un, unfolding it, they were going to get canceled or postponed. Um, but I think like Charleston, obviously it technically didn't make sense that we hadn't officially announced a cancellation, but at the same time, um, Steve wanted to talk to Bob, uh, the, the tournament director, the to tournament owner. And, and, uh, I think also like the government was also involved there, uh, and they, they really wanted to hold it. They were so pumped and obviously another great event that players love. Um, but it didn't make sense because if Europeans were going home, we couldn't have them come back to the States. So um, we, I think the WTA sent out an email to the players that um, we're going to, we have to, we're going to wait until tomorrow to officially announce the decision. Um, and obviously players were, you know, annoyed and irritated already uh, with this, situation that was going on um but the next day charleston officially announced so it's uh i understand that it feels like the 
WTA is like slow to announce things, but at the same time, I think they're trying to be um, respectful to the tournaments and everyone, all the parties involved, um, because it is a tough situation for everybody. Uh, and then um, they let us know that Europe was uh, the Europe tournaments were kind of all going to get canceled, uh, but you know to keep it in house. And then they sent the announcement to the players and then effectively to the public. Um, but we don't, you know, we don't get to decide whether or not we're hosting or having a tournament or if we're canceling it. But we do get to hear it before the rest of the players do. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at newbalance.com. Hey guys, Irina here. Today we're with WTA star Christy Ahn, who is telling us everything there is to know about TikTok. Keep listening. Let's talk about the past, I don't know, let's say maybe six to eight months of your career. I mean, you've really had a massive breakthrough, cracking the top 100 for the first time. That U.S. Open run that was just iconic and so memorable. And then it kind of all started maybe in San Jose for you. When you look back and now you're stuck in the six-week pause or longer, sorry, pause, did you feel like your momentum was really going pretty well towards 2019 going into 2020? Yeah. Um, it all just started, it just genuinely, it just felt like everything was clicking. Like, um, it probably started from, uh, Wimbledon and I, you know, I qualified there for the first time since, or I qualified for a slam into the main draw of a slam for the first time in 11 years. And I feel like that was almost like a mental barrier that I've been sort of holding um, in the back of my mind. So to be able to finally play, um, to qualify into the the main event, I feel like I just kind of let, I feel like a lot of internal pressure was released and effectively allowed me to play my best tennis. Um, and then, yeah, I just, it just kept going and going and I love, um, playing at home. It was great. I'll, like I saw you at the Bronx as well. And, you know, that was a, event that was put together last second but it was just so like I stayed at home for that um so it was just great to be playing in the New York area oh yeah the Bronx I remember that <laughs> and you had that big arm sleeve is that you know I remember another thing I'm like oh yeah Christian, you, the, the, the arm sleeve, the robo arm yeah surely by now you're gonna be able to fix that arm all the way up according to TikTok maybe not but <laughs> but after the Bronx, yeah. you went to the U.S. Open and crushed it. You won your first ever Grand Slam main draw match, followed by two more, reached the fourth round as a wild card. I mean, what did that mean to you? And now it's something that you have, no matter what happens in the next year with the Grand Slams. I mean, you made the fourth round of a major. You know, it's cliche, but it's so surreal. Just be, like, I guess, uh, so I played, you know, main draw when I was, 16 so 11 years before and when you're that young you just think oh yeah there's next year I'll do it next year and then the years pass and all of a sudden a decade has passed and you're like it's not happening is it um and you know fears start to grow as you get older doubt creeps in and then finally and then you know I draw Kuznets of a first round who just made the finals of Cincy and is playing unreal ball and um I, I saw that draw, but I was like, 
I mean, what a cool opportunity. I'm playing a Grand Slam champion in, in my home slam. Like, even if I lose, like, this is going to be an amazing atmosphere, like something to that I'll always remember. And and then all of a sudden, okay, I won that. I won my next round. And then I won my next round. It was like, I I couldn't even have scripted this if I wanted to. It was pretty surreal watching it from the TV. I will like. I mean, I feel like I've known you forever, Christy, and it was it was pretty amazing to watch. And um, you know, one thing that I always find that people ask when you have a not necessarily a run like that, but you've kind of elevated your game in a sense. And I mean, you're in a different league per se. Is there anything that you now do that you didn't do before? Um, I know fans always ask. They're like, you know, what's changed? What's new? Is there anything like that that's happened in your tennis life, you think? Yeah. So one of, for me, one of the biggest things was uh, before, uh, before this all happened, uh, I moved back home to Jersey in the end of 20, I guess, 18. Uh, and I, I've been living in Florida for the past five-ish, four years, I think. Um, and I finally made the decision that I wanted to move home. Um, I know that maybe the training here isn't as ideal as somewhere like Florida. But for me, I just wanted to be, you know, I wanted to feel a sense of normalcy when I'm not on court, um, to be able to hang out with friends and feel like I can live a, make this feel sustainable. Um, and my coach here, he, um, Jay Devachetti, he, uh, he was very, he, he could tell that mentally I was a bit down on myself and, one of the major things that he told me was that you just take your little positives every day and you just keep stacking them. So, you know, when it's a big point, you just tell yourself that like literally telling yourself that you can do it and speaking things into existence every day. Oh, I serve better today. You just stack that. Oh, I did this better today. Stack that. Um, so instead of focusing so much on the negatives, doing the 180 of focusing on the positives and things that I could control. Um, and then, you know, when, um, when that, when that time actually, when the hard court swing rolled around, uh, Jay mentioned, he was, um, he was like, remember in March when you were really struggling, uh, at Indian Wells, I, I played a three and a half hour match and I ended up winning, but I was just fighting like my butt off for that. And he was like, take that scrappiness, take that mentality that you had there and put it, like, keep applying that, that like, take, don't forget about that chip because that's something that was so important for me was even though I wasn't playing great tennis in March, the, I was, you know, fighting for every point. And then all of a sudden in August when my, or July, when my tennis was actually feeling much better, it's okay. Now let's, let's make sure that we really use that chip for March, the mental aspect so just being able to stack things on top of each other and sometimes you lose a couple chips, you know, they fall off, but it's okay. You just keep building and building. And then all of a sudden it's like, look where you were back in March and look where you are now. And you just took a little bit of positive every day and then you built something great. You're really putting into words what the grind and the, the paying off after so much of the grind looks like. It's really it's really impressive the way you're kind of describing it really well. And your unique story because you went to Stanford and graduated four years. I mean, you, you got a degree. And I remember before the U.S. Open, maybe it was right around the U.S. Open, reading a story about how 
maybe your family wanted you to actually go get a job and that tennis was actually holding you back from what could be like some kind of illustrious proper career in the real world. Did you feel that the Stanford degree was more of something that you could fall back on or something that was giving you pressure to like, okay, maybe I should stop playing tennis and go get a job? I mean, it's definitely a double-edged sword because, you know, uh, when you're doing well in tennis, it's like, oh, I, um, or not even doing well. It's just when you're playing tennis, it's, oh, I could be doing, you know, hopefully I'd be able to use my degree and have a a nine to five job and something that I actually love and, um, establish a sense of normalcy. But at the same time, it's in the back of your, like, it's just, I don't know how to describe it. It's holding you back, but it, you also have the, the net under you, which could be a good thing or it could be a bad thing. Like if you remove the net altogether, you have no choice. You must cross the tightrope. Otherwise you will hit the ground. But at the same time, it's there. So you know that if you do fall, like it's okay. There's a net there to save you. So, you know, there's, there's a reason why, um, you take the Serena's, the Sharapova's, those, they had no choice. They only had one option and that's why they were as good as they were or part of the reason why. And it adds to their greatness. Whereas I could never put myself in that situation because if things ever got so dire, I would just bail out and be like, all right, this is not for me. I will do some, I will go uh, get my corporate job or whatever now. Um, but I was pretty close to it in 20, uh, beginning of 2017, I was probably ranked around 250 or so and just kind of, I lost the plot for a little bit and, uh, decided that I was by the end of 2017, I was gonna hang up the rackets and then start pursuing a normal job. Um, and, and maybe that was part of the reason why I took so much pressure off myself and started playing really good tennis because then every like the script just flipped all together and then I'm still doing it. Dude, honestly, like listening to you is inspiring so much and like pumping me up. This is awesome to hear. Um, I remember actually talking to you. I don't know if you remember this. We were in the, well, yes, that one too. I remember we were in Tyler and it was before the tournament even started and we were practicing and, I I don't remember uh, what you said, but I just remember s- telling you something to where it's like, hey, you know, just just win this tournament, Christy. Like, let's just meet in the finals or something. And like, you know, let's just win it. Like, why not? And uh, sure enough, we met in the semis and you won the tournament and you just played amazing tennis and you ended up getting the wild card into Oz Open after that. And um, that was at the end of 2017, correct? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, had, I had a I had a really good um, summer clay and grass season, and then the hard courts came up, and you know I was uh, pretty close to making it into main draw of U.S. Open, and I just put so much pressure on myself that I was I was having so much anxiety, and like I just could not play, um, and I was focusing on the wrong things altogether. And um, so when the fall rolled around, I was pretty down. I didn't do well in Asia as, as well as I wanted. Um, lost first round in Macon. And funnily enough, also there, um, the the wild card, you know, challenge is going on. Best of uh, three tournaments. 
and I lost first round in Macon and Isla Tomlanovich's mom was there and she's like, so, you know, how's the wild card looking? And I said, I don't know. I lost first round here to have to win the next one probably to win it um, or to even have a chance. And she's like, so just do it. Just win it. I was like, I, I mean, that'd be great. She's like, no. And I was, and you know, I took that into, it was in the back of my mind to Tyler and then we spoke and I was like, why does everyone believe in me? But I can't even believe in myself. Like, um, and that's kind of just been the theme of the, you know, couple years coming out of college as well. Um, but then, yeah, like we had our conversation and it was like, all right, yeah, let's do this. Why not? Like, it only takes one good week. It only takes one good match. It only takes one good point at a time. Like if you really just break it down, it's quite simple. And then, yeah, I played some of my best tennis that week as well. It was awesome. Um, so just, just a question you may, you can answer this if you, if you want to, um, do your parents still believe that you should just stop and go get a corporate job somewhere? Oh yeah. That that's never stopped. <laughs> um, they're, you know, they're very, they're, they're immigrants. They totally believe in security. And, um, you know, my dad, he, he's like, haha, I'm notorious now. Cause he showed up in the articles of the New York times, but you know, he's very like kind of, I mean, everyone's kind of stuck in the same boat, but even tennis players more now, especially, um, you know, we're not making a dime. Uh, we don't, we can't work from home. We, we don't, we don't have a salary and we don't know how long we're going to be out for. And he's kind of like, this is the, I mean, obviously, you know, I did well enough last year and got, you know, first round of Australia this year, um, to sort of help. I, I don't have to worry, um, about my finances, but it's to him, it's not so much about the finances It's about the security. It's about what if you get injured? Like, how are you spending your time the longer that you're away f- that you, um, I think he kind of views the, the quote unquote real world as like a closing door. Um, but from what I'm hearing, it's kind of the opposite that the more I can accomplish in tennis, the more doors it opens to my second career. Um, but you know, it's also a gener. maybe it's a generational thing. Maybe it's a, a cultural thing. Um, but you know, they're, they're obviously very happy. They're very happy when I did well, I think, especially because they saw how hard I've worked, how many heartbreaks I've gone through. Um, so for them, it, it wasn't so much of, you know, they were eating their words, but it was just like, they saw me happy. They were, they know how much effort, how, how much I put into it. So for them, it's, you know, they got to see their, their child uh, live out her dream. And, and I guess in that sense, that's what was so euphoric for everybody. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey everyone, you're listening to the Tennis.com podcast with special guest Christy Ahn. She's telling us what it's like to be privy to big decisions on the WTA Council. Keep listening. I do see their point in a way, but you've worked your entire life from when you were a small kid to make it as a tennis player in some capacity. Yeah, the college degree, but 
everyone dreams of, of second week of grand slams and things like that. But I also see their point of like, oh yeah, the corporate world likes to hire young people, but like you're 27 and the more you accomplish in tennis will 1000% set you up for, I'm not sure what kind of job you're seeking afterwards, but I definitely think that people that have resumes stacked with like tennis accomplishments do have a leg up in most most industries. I mean, it depends on what, you, what you're into, but I, I kind of, I, I do see the logic of what they're saying, but I definitely think if you're happy and, and you're, and you're staying positive, you should keep playing. And hopefully you guys get back out on the court soon, but I had, yeah, yeah I had, I had, a, I had one more. So when you look ahead, let's say hypothetically looking ahead and the, the, the tours start up again uh, in the summer, will you be able to put together a schedule and, you said you have that a bit of money to, to, to get you through. Do you feel confident in being able to line up a schedule and hop right back into it? Because right now you're ranked 96. So, I mean, I feel like everyone's going to be just going absolutely ham crazy trying to sign up a tournament. Yeah, it's probably going to be super chaotic. Um, we also, um, on the council, we're trying to find the best way for the point system, for the points to come off, um, because that's a huge issue for for everybody really um who did remotely well in 2019 because if you did well in the clay season you know you don't even get the chance to play so what happens to those points and then if you did well later on in the year and maybe not so well during the clay season you don't even get it like you're defending right off the bat so um we're going through every possible iteration of how to make it fair for everybody it's we're we're putting up numbers doing the doing the research trying to um figure out what's simplest but most effective for everybody um and and yeah that's that was another issue was when points come off depending on how points come off if every player is signing up for every tournament that's just going to be absolute chaos um, we've lost, you know, Rome and Madrid, two massive tournaments, um, with a lot of points, uh, and a lot of job opportunities. Um, and then if we do resume in June, you know, it's, it's grass, it's, there's obviously really great tournaments, but it's, it's a very short season. You can't even, pre- if, ah, I can't even explain it. Like if it would be so much easier if we could have, it wouldn't even be it would still be insanely difficult, but it would make life a lot easier if we knew like, okay, June, we are a hundred percent coming back because then at least we can, we can start to scramble and put together last minute situations. But, or, I mean, we would have months before, you know, it's happening versus, okay, suddenly it's May, it's mid-May. Okay. Do we, do we push these back as well? You can't really get the grass season back because of, you know, the summer, the, the weather, the grass conditions. Um, so then do you scratch that? What happens? Oh my God. And so, yeah, we're like, even though this quarantine's like very, you know, calm and whatever, these meetings have been, we, we have to figure it, figure it out, but it's almost feels like picking a needle out of a haystack. Cause it's, there's so many, uh, factors there's so many different variables going on it's really not easy honestly like listening to you talk about it I'm like getting stressed out just like thinking about points and stuff because I'm like oh my god and I mean it does it does uh 
suck for what like some people more than others to be honest um but at the end of the day we're all going through it we're all going to have to experience you know defending points at one point so we've all done it um but i did want to touch on something nina mentioned you know uh nina you asked kirsty like you said that you didn't know what she would do like after tennis. I, you know, my, my major was in science, technology and society. It's one major, not three. Uh, and so we were kind of the middlemen between the business and the, the tech people. So we did some coding. We, you know, were mildly fluent in business. So, um, now I don't know what that means. Uh, so much time has passed. I'm 27. I haven't been in a classroom since 2014, um, so now I'm just kind of, who knows, um, what I would go into, but yeah, it's, uh, so just going back to what Nina said on, um, like my parents have my dad having a good point, his, um, in, in his, he did agree to, um, help finance my tennis career for, for three years. That was kind of our deal. Um, when I graduated was he was going to fund my career for three years. And if by then I hadn't made it on my own, then I would go find a job. That was our compromise. Um, so 2017 was my third year. And so when I wasn't doing well in the beginning of the year, he was like, guess what? Like, you're gonna have to find a job at the end of the year. Um, so it was, it was very, like, it was going to happen and I wasn't going to be bitter or, you know, regret it because that was our deal. That's to me, that was fair. It totally made sense. If I didn't, make it in three years then okay like to get move on and and his other um logistically he's a numbers guy he's an accountant so for him it was why would you do something that has no guarantees like tennis um and again has so many variables versus you know with a stanford degree you could probably be making a six-figure salary remotely soon so why would you choose like when you look at it on paper that's a no-brainer right like guaranteed five, six figure salary right off the bat versus you're going to be at a loss for the first two and a half years of your career. And then finally start to make some cash when, you know, like you're just like this, like even last year, I was literally just paying off my deficits for my first couple of years. Um, so yeah, when you look at it on paper, for sure, it's just funny how this thing called passion and care and something that you've put your whole life into how that can hold so much weight. It can be very pricey and expensive. Yeah, but on on the WTA (laughs) websites, it looks to me like you two are killing it. Like Christy's almost at a million. I think Irina's at like two. I mean, it looks very skewed numbers. I know, very skewed, (laughs) very skewed. Well, yeah, and then what a lot of people forget is, you know, tennis is an individual sport. You are, most of the players are paying for their coach to travel with them, so you're paying double your expenses and um you know that's flights hotels food you're plus you're paying them somewhat of a salary usually so it's just you're you're paying so much money so even though and also like my million dollars started from when i was like 16 years old like and was you know just mucking around before going to college um so it's just that like people just see the numbers they're like oh wow you've made so much money and they don't realize how much you know, how much time has gone by, how much we're actually spending. And so these numbers are completely skewed. 
They, they are, but there's also the potential now as well. Like looking again, like once everything gets back to normal, the potential for, for even more success for you. At least we're all hoping that both of you guys can get back on court soon ish. But in the meantime, you're both going to keep producing TikToks. Everyone can find Christy. I think it's at Christy on very simple. The weird thing now as well is like we can just talk for hours and hours and hours because no one has anything else to do. But uh, I want to res- be respectful of everyone's time, and including yours, cook- to go back to your TikToks and clean I was going to say, I got to make a couple TikToks today. So. I mean, how many do you make a day? Like, <laughs> I-, I want more. I-, I feel like I'm obsessed. It happens so fast from no account yeah. to like, give me more. I, uh, I I don't really make them during the day. I If you look, most of them, like the lighting is terrible. And that's because I usually start making them around 11 p.m., uh, so the one with the, the hitting the shin on the serve, I made that one at one thirty in the morning, two nights ago. They, I, like, I swear I just scroll all day, get some ideas and then just start making them at night. Um, also cause I'm more of a night owl. So I have a little bit more energy and just time to process whatever. Um, and then I'll usually post them the next day or something. It's a terrible system. It's no, it's, <laughs> it's working. You've got a lot of views. <laughs> Can't wait to see more of them, Christy. Thank you so much for talking with us. Of course, this is this is fun. You know, we killed uh, we killed fifty minutes. Woo. We did, guys. <laughs> we're gonna get through the endless void of nothingness until June. We're gonna make it there together. From the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, this has been the Tennis.com Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to stay caught up. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and every major listening app, as well as Tennis.com/podcasts. You can also see the videos of our episodes on Tennis Channel's YouTube page and Tennis.com's Facebook page. We're your hosts, Nina Pantic and Irina Falcone. We'd like to thank our team, editor and audio designer and video editor, Christina Koseva, producers, Alexa March and Sean O'Malley, and executive producers, Shelby Coleman, Kyle Einhorn, and Andy Chu.